You're just gonna stay angry at God for the rest of your Whether it's popular or not, we're seeking out what pleases the Lord. Welcome back to the PC Later podcast. I'm your host, Aurora, and so thankful to have you here. Welcome to what I'm hoping is the final episode of my story. Um, I'm really tired of hearing myself talk for 30 minutes at a time, and I'm really excited to get to know you and hear your stories. Um, that's what this is about. So real quick before we get into it, I had somebody reach out this week, um, and I've actually had quite a few of you reach out with really positive feedback, and it means so much to me. But somebody reached out and said, you know, I feel like you're not telling the good parts. You're only sharing the bad parts, and that's not fair. You should be giving the good parts, too. And that I hope that you're able to hold on to the good parts along the way. Which made me laugh a little bit because, obviously, um, I had talked about the good parts in one of the first few episodes about how we were treated well. We were helped by these families, and there was a lot of really good memories tied to us being there. But also, obviously, there were good times. Um, I, I, that goes without saying, because if, if it was easy to walk away, there, that would be because there wasn't any happiness involved in it at a time, or because there aren't loved ones still there, or because people's jobs weren't tied to the church. Um, but people's lives, you know, change forever when they leave, and it's really hard. And it's not hard because it's an easy decision. You know, it, obviously, there were happy times. Um, and that's what makes leaving so difficult. So just a reminder that we're here for a reason, and it's not because we want to just talk about how horrible things were. Um, it's because it was really hard to walk away. And, and each person's going to share their story as to why it was so hard and how it's hard to live their life now and the things that they experienced. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. <clears throat> Therapy saved my life um, on more than one occasion. And... And I owe a debt of gratitude to each therapist I saw in my life. Um, but we're going to talk about um, one in particular who I saw in my early 20s. And the only reason I ended up seeing her is because I was having these really weird symptoms, like out of breath. Um, I've always felt panicky and anxious, but I didn't know how to name it that. I didn't know what to call it. So I thought it was normal. Um, you know, I've talked about my shaky hands and the trembling and how I, that's what happens when I get anxious or scared or someone yells. Um, but I didn't really know quite like how to identify that. So I was having, you know, a laundry list of issues and I went to a primary and after talking with me, he said, I don't think I'm the doctor for you. <laughs> and me being me, I was like, cool. Uh, is there another like person in the practice? What happens now? And he very sweetly said, I think you need to see a therapist. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hmm, cool, cool, okay, uh, sure. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Um, and I had mentioned it to somebody from the church I was attending, somebody who's a very big mental health advocate and, and I'm, who I'm still very close to today. And they said, okay, um, I can actually refer you to someone and I'll pay for the first six sessions, which was huge because... I was so overwhelmed um, with the whole idea. And and I do think that churches now, some, are really okay with the idea of their members seeing a therapist. Um, I, feel, I feel like it's almost encouraged. 
Um, but on the same hand, it's also encouraged to see a licensed, you know, therapist who's also in the UPC or is also in, you know, who's Pentecostal or apostolic because um, they don't want you being given information that they may feel is incorrect. Um, but luckily for me, I was referred to an angel who was not in the UPC, um, had never actually even heard of it until I got into it with her. Um, she had like a Christian background, but that was not a part of her practice. That was not a part of her um, help she was offering. And, and you know, the first few times I went, I was so unable to even process what was happening because she, um, she would just ask me really simple questions that it felt like no one had really like bothered to ask me before about how I felt about my job, um, my family, like each individual family member, um, the church I was attending, the things I was involved in, the beliefs I held. And, and one by one, we started going through things. Um, and I would go home at the end of each session and just sob. And I remember the sessions being like in the evening around five or six. So they would be for an hour. And then I would go home and cry myself to sleep because it, it was really hard to acknowledge. I'm, I'm messed up. I don't know. Like I'm just broken and everything that I thought was going to help me along the way isn't helping and acknowledging that I may not agree with what I've been taught and what I've tried to believe the majority of my life was so scary because then what do I believe? And who am I going to be? I mean, obviously I had, you know, thought that the church had set me up to have a certain life. And then when I realized that may not be, I may not be what they thought I was going to be. Um, so who am I going to be? Cause I don't want to be there anymore. And acknowledging that like out loud was so hard. Um, but it was also really liberating. Um, and let me pause here that the only way that therapy worked is because I was honest and not upfront. Like it took a couple of times before I was very, very honest, um, because I was scared, but that's when it started to work is when I was honest with my therapist, with myself and really coming to a conclusion of, okay, I don't have to figure it all out today. I don't have to have my whole life planned today. I don't have to know what's going to happen in six months or six years or however long, but today I can decide I don't want to be that person anymore. And I don't know what's on the other side waiting um, because we've been told that it's damnation and that it's, you know, hell and that it's a life of being cursed and the hand of God is removed from you and you're just on your own. But she gave me the courage to say, if that's what you want to do, because it was never, I think you should do this or I don't think the church is good for you. It's just, hey, if that's what you want to do, do it. And you're going to be okay because we're going to figure out a way for you to be okay. We're going to walk through the steps. We're going to find a way to cope. We're going to, you know, be strong. And so I was. Now, mind you, still acting like an absolute idiot and making stupid decisions um, because I was really scared. So I just, I don't know. I wasn't living how, you know, I wasn't treating myself good. I was not treating other people well, um, but I was working through it. And so it gave me the courage to say, yeah, that's not where I want to be. So I'm going to go. And this isn't the life I want. And this is not the community I want. It's not helpful. It's not healing. It's not going to be beneficial long-term for me. So I'm going to go. 
and that's sort of when um like I had been pulled into the office because somebody had seen um, at church somebody had in leadership had seen a picture of me in jeans <laughs> and and sent it to the leadership team and I was addressed as to why I was wearing jeans and all the things um and at that time um that I had been in therapy I, would, I had also landed a role in a local stage play um and it was like a gospel stage play. Um, nobody was from the UPC. They are, they all were like super confused when I tried to tell them, yeah, it's the kind of church I go to. They're like, what? Um, but I got to sing and meet these people. And, and so that's what I was spending my time doing. Um, and I wore jeans there and someone found out and it was a thing. And I, I remember somebody telling me like, that's not your family. That's not your community. We are. You have opportunities here. That's not what's going to be good for you. And I just remember thinking like, well, I think it is. I think this is actually really helpful for me to be around a group of people who have no other, you know, agenda other than to put on this great show um, and get to know each other and give God glory in the middle of all of it. Like that was super cool for me. And so I, I said, you know, I, I don't think I should be on the platform anymore. And mind you, I had already been taken down a time or two, but I was just like, you know, I'm going to step, I'm going to step down completely from everything because I'm not who you think I am. And I don't want to put anybody in a position to have to remove me from ministry again. Because I had come to the uh, idea that that's probably really hard for them to do. Um, I would like to think, I would like to think it doesn't come easy to tell somebody, hey, we're going to remove you from ministry. I, I feel like that's probably a hard, hard thing sometimes. So I'll, I'll do it. Um, and that was something I'd worked on in therapy was taking responsibility of like, hey, you, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> I'll just do it. And and I never stepped back on the platform after that night. And and I just remember thinking to myself, like, over some jeans. Like, modest in my opinion, but, you know, not important. Um, and so during that time, I had, you know, gone back to church a time or two. And, and I'd gotten pulled into the office again. <laughs> Which it's funny to say out loud because it's like school, um, like going to get, you know, talk to the principal. But I'd been pulled into the office again on a Sunday morning. And the woman sitting next to me um, during service, I had just talked to her and I was like, you know what? I, I love everybody here too much to put anybody in a weird spot. So I just, I pulled myself off the platform. Like I'm not involved in ministry right now and that's okay. Like I'm okay. Like we had literally just had that conversation. So I get called to the, uh, one of the offices and she's like, I'm going with you because this is nonsense. Why do they keep pulling you in there? Friend, I don't know. I have no idea what this is going to be about. So she went with me and a leader had said, we have heard what, you know, you're running your mouth. You're saying all these horrible things about, you know, these leaders. And before I could even open my mouth, this woman said, actually, she's not. That's not what's happening. And you have to believe her because she just told me total opposite of what you're saying is happening. And it got quiet and, and we were dismissed from the office and I hugged her and, and I never went back to a service, not for a very, very long time. Um, but I just, I knew that I couldn't be myself there. And even though somebody would defend me, I knew I couldn't be my full self there, no matter what, um, even not being in ministry. Cause I thought that's what it was like, okay, well I'm not in ministry, so I'm not, you know, you can't expect much of me. I'm not even involved right now, um, but it didn't matter. It wasn't enough. So I, I stopped going 
And along the way, um, you know, I went to a Nazarene church. Um, I actually loved it there. They let me help with music and it was a lot of fun. Um, I met a lot of great people there, but slowly I just stopped. I stopped caring. Um, and the Nazarene church was tough too, because I did love these people and it was a really good time. Um, but they were baptizing differently than I was used to. And, you know, they taught a little bit differently. And so it was really hard for me to say, okay, well, do I believe this? Because I think at the end of the day, I still thought the UPC was right. And so that, that may have been why I couldn't, you know, stick with the Nazarene church because I didn't want to say somebody was right and wrong, but I felt like the UPC was right. And just because I wasn't there and just because I chose not to be there and not to be involved and not to go anymore, I still felt like they had the truth. I was just running from it because uh, that's what they tell you you're doing. You're running <laughs> from the Lord. Um, and so I stopped going to church altogether. And, you know, that actually came really easy. That sounds horrible to say, but it came really, really easy just to not go anymore and to sort of live life. Um, you know, and I had, I had stopped the drinking and driving and not the drinking part, but the driving. Like I was trying to be more responsible. I was trying to take better care of myself um, and the people around me and be in a healthy relationship and hold a good job and start a career. Um, that felt normal and it felt right. But there were still things that I dealt with because in the back of my mind, I thought, am I still running? Do they still have the truth? And this was probably December of 2014. I want to say, um, almost, yeah, this December will be nine years. Um, on New Year's day, I'd gotten a call that my stepbrother had, um, passed away. He was in an accident the night before on New Year's Eve, um, which was tough, you know, cause life was hard, you know, with my sibling, my stepbrother, you know, we all were in a pretty, pretty unfortunate situation, um, with our home. But that didn't change the fact that, you know, I hadn't talked to him in a long time, but I still loved him and it still, you know, broke my heart. And so the, the funeral ended up being at my old church, um, that I was like, okay, I'm just going to suck it up and go. Um, and I, and I knew I wanted to say something on his behalf, um, during the ceremony service, whatever. Um, that's what I wanted to do. So I, I'd gotten the courage, um, found a modest enough dress. Um, I felt like I was being really respectful of their church and their beliefs. Like, you know, I wasn't going to show up, you know, dressed a certain way just to prove a point. I wanted to be as respectful as possible because I just wanted to get in and get out. And day before, um, my father called me and said, Hey, um, so we're, you know, planning the funeral and, the leadership has asked that when you speak, you don't stand on the platform because you are not in right standing with God or the church. And it was just like, okay. I mean, mind you, I hadn't been there in a couple of years, year or two, three, I don't know. But to know that, that they still felt like they could get one last dig after my stepbrother had passed, you know, we're mourning his death and to know that that's where their mind was. Don't let her stand on the platform when she talks. She can stand on the floor because she's not in right standing with what we believe or what we think God is. 
And that was such a smack in the face <laughs> to know that, okay, I'm just going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to stand on the floor and I'm going to honor my brother the best way I know how and talk about how much I loved him and, and share good times. But I'll never forget knowing that they had the opportunity to show my family love and compassion. And instead, that's what I received. And no one could actually tell me. They had to have my dad tell me. Um, now, mind you, he was not allowed on the platform either because he was not in right standing with the church or with God. Um, and they made sure to let us know. Uh, a couple months later, a kid in the youth group had passed away. And I showed up for that funeral. And, and, and would you believe it? <laughs> Everybody there who had never stepped foot in the church, who spoke, right on the platform, they got to go to talk and, and give their memories about the kid who had passed away. Um, so it felt very personal when we were told not to. And, and even as recently, um, next month will be two years that my brother took his life, uh, my oldest brother. And that, that's easily, um, the hardest thing that I've had to deal with. It was so unexpected and so brutal to my soul, um, that my hero was gone, um, sorry. And I remember somebody from the church, um, showed up with groceries for, for me, you know, snacks for my baby, um, just things that made, it made it seem a little less painful. And I thought to myself, wow, that's, that's incredible that, that somebody there did that. And maybe, maybe they do still love me. Maybe, you know, this is a call home, you know, that I should go back and I should give it another go. Um, and I had started talking to people from the UPC again and old leadership, um, people at other churches. And, and I thought seriously about going back because I thought, man, life is really hard right now. And I just want, I want to run away from the pain. So maybe if I go to church, I can just go there and it'll be easy. Um, maybe not easy, but easier on me to deal with everything. Cause I'll just be, you know, in church and I'll be chasing that high of us, a service, you know, a move of God. Maybe I'll be chasing that and I'll be worried about something else instead of trying to cope with the fact that my brother is gone. Um, and I had been reading my Bible again and, you know, asking people questions about what I was reading. And I was, you know, <laughs> very, very close to going back. And then um, a year had passed. So last September and somebody who I had been talking to was like, hey, I know you haven't come back to church yet, um, but we would love to see you Sunday. And I said, I Actually, this is the one year anniversary of my brother's passing. Like, I'm just not in a good space right now. Thank you. I love you. Maybe, maybe the week after I just, I need some time. Like, I'm, I don't know what to do with myself. And they said, well, I thought this was the perfect time for you to come back. Since it's the anniversary, I thought maybe this was the perfect place for you to be. And then there was that thing that she taught me in therapy. My gut instinct that I was told for so long to ignore, she helped me embrace it. And that gut instinct told me, 
you're just trying to prey on my emotions because you know if you can get me there, I'll cry. Uh, you know, it'll be this whole moment during praise and worship or preaching or altar call. And maybe you'll get me back. But it had nothing to do with loving me and protecting me and being there for me. It was just, now's the perfect opportunity. And once I realized that, and I sat with that, and I realized these, it's never going to change. Like I am, I'm, you know, the last two years have been horrific. Um, and it's more good days than bad days. And it's been that way for a little bit now. But to know that somebody would take that opportunity and say, it's a perfect time, perfect time for you to come back. It's absolutely not. And it's, you know, incredibly inappropriate to, to take my emotions of my brother passing and try to use that as an opportunity to get me back to what pay tithe, to do what, to be, you know, to be in ministry halfway again and be used only when it's convenient. Um, but never really be, being given the opportunity to excel, to have my baby, you know, my daughter, to, to bring her into that environment and put her through those similar things. I won't cuss on here. I'm trying really hard not to because I don't want to put like an explicit rating, but absolutely not. There's no way. Um, it's not going to happen. And so I kind of, you know, took a big, big step back of saying, I think I only wanted to go back because I was sad and I was hoping if I was there, they would find a way to fix it for me. They would find a way to make this like gaping hole in my heart and this incredible pain that doesn't stop. I was hoping they would fix it. So that way I didn't have to address how sad I was and how just broken I had become by losing him. Um, and so I... It's funny because early on, I was like, man, I don't think I'll cry through any of this. And then, you know, here I am, final episode, can't keep it together. Um, but it really taught me that, yeah, there's good people there. That person who showed up with food unexpectedly to check on me um, was so incredible. And so, yeah, there's good people there. I will never take that away from them. There are genuinely good people, probably in every single church. But I will never put myself in a position or my daughter or my husband or my family in, in that position to be where I was before, um, regardless of the good people. There's plenty of places I don't go anymore. And it doesn't matter because, yeah, there's good people there, but I'm not going and I don't have to go. Um, and so just kind of coming to that realization that I'm okay not going to the UPC. I'm okay not being in an apostolic church and I'm okay not being in a Pentecostal church and I'm okay um, just being myself was so liberating and brought to me true freedom. Um, and something that, you know, I want to ask in interviews at the end of each interview, I want to know where does your um, beliefs, where are they now versus where they were before, you know, the UPC beliefs, um, what do you feel differently about them now that you've been out for however long you've been out? And I just, um, you know, I'm not big into theology. If you are, side note, if you are, and you can tell me, like, the verses and the things that the UPC believes and what they might actually mean, 
please contact me. I would love to have you on here um, to like give some good insight and some good, you know, theology. Um, but anyway, that's not me. That's not really what I'm good at. And so I, am I ever going to say that what they believe is wrong? No, that's, you know, that I, I won't have that stance. I'm not going to tell them they're wrong. Um, but for me, because it's all I can speak to is me. I just, again, want to let Calvary be Calvary because if he truly died on the cross for me, because he loves me and for my sins, I want to let that be enough. There's nothing more I can do. There's not a, you know, there's not a, a word I can say, a lifestyle I can live that's going to bring any, you know, it's not going to enhance what he already did. And I want to be able to leave it at that. So, do I, you know, I'm never going to say they're wrong. They can believe what they want to believe. That's 100% their business. And I hope it brings them happiness and fulfillment. For me, that's not what brings me happiness and fulfillment. You know, I just want to know that Jesus loved me enough to die on a cross. And, and he rose again. And that's super cool. Um, and how I, you know, decide to live is okay. You know, I don't want to look at people and, and think to myself, oh, they're probably going to hell because of X, Y, and Z in the Bible. You know, it's, Bible says that he, you know, Jesus said I didn't, you know, come to condemn the world. So my, my very best guess is that he didn't send any of us either to condemn the world. Just to love um, and let that be enough. So, so if you're listening to this and, and you want to share your story, um, please, please do. Please reach out. I want to talk. I want to hear what you experienced, how you're healing, where you are, what you believe now. If you don't believe in anything at all anymore, if you believe in something totally different, incredible. I can't wait to hear about it. I can't wait to give you the space to, to share your authentic self um, with me and, and the community and the people around. Please know that I'm never going to ask you to share more than only your first name. And that's only if you're comfortable. If you don't want to share more than your first name, just go, you know, without a name. And that's fine. We don't have to post your picture. Nothing like that when we announce episodes. It's never going to be that way. It's whatever makes you the very most comfortable. Um, and, and when we're talking in interviews, it won't be a space to say the words pastor, youth pastor, you know, the whatever titles all these people hold in the UPC. It's just simply going to be leader or member. Um, that way nobody can come back and say, oh, I think they're talking about this person or that person, because that's not what this is for. Um, it's just a safe space for you to talk and to share um, and give other people hope, because I guarantee you somebody needs to hear your story. I guarantee you, you need to hear your story, because I've gone back and listened to myself and been like, wow, Fran, we really made it. We made it out of some dark times that... I was for sure were, were going to take me out. Um, but, you know, the Bible says we overcome by the word of our testimony. So if that's indeed true, um, we're going to testify. We're going to tell, you know, we're going to bring hope to people that it's, I don't want to say that it's okay to leave. I'm never going to tell you what to do. But if you want to leave, you'll be okay. You don't have to live recklessly because you're confused about leaving. You don't have to live the way I did. You can find true peace um, 
on the other side and it doesn't have to come with a ginormous spiral and it doesn't have to come with you hurting yourself or others along the way. You can land on your feet. You can leave with grace and that there's so much love and there's so much hope and there's so much life on the other side still, regardless of what they have told us. So no, my story is not about chasing sin and wanting to be in the world and cut my hair and wear short shorts and all the things. It's never why I left. It'll never be why I left. And struggling to leave was so difficult, but making the decision at the end of the day to go, I really believe saved my life. So thank you for listening to me over the last few weeks. You guys are incredibly sweet to me. Um, I love connecting with you. I love your messages. I love getting to know you. Um, I'm hoping next week we can start interviews. Um, so stay tuned for that. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and have an incredible rest of your week. Thanks, guys.